we need to give our our agencies the permission to use data in the design process and it's not just all about so i would say there's one thing you can do when an agency comes to you and says hey here are three mock-ups which one of these do you want us to design with ask them to provide you with some data to help you make your decision and see what they do G'day folks, it's uh, Richard here from the Experiment Nation podcast. Today I've got a special guest, it's Brian Macy uh, from Conversion Sciences. He is, he's been in the CRO space for well over 15 years and yeah, he's here today to talk about several topics. Welcome to the podcast here, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Look, you've got an interesting background. I mean, you've been managing partner of Conversion Sciences since this December 2007, which is uh, donkey years in this um, nascent industry. Could you tell me about your a bit more about your background and how you stumbled upon uh, CRO and experimentation? Yeah, so I'm a computer scientist by training, so I've got that. Uh, but I had uh, some social skills such that I, I knew that I wasn't probably going to be sitting in a cubicle writing code. Yeah. So I went into sales. Uh, I rose to my highest level of incompetence in sales and then <laughs> to get back into software. So I was in California. I moved back to Austin, love Austin. Um, yeah. And ended up um, le- working for a small company, leaving and starting my own company with the director of engineering from that company uh, and ran that business through the 90s. And of course, the dot-com bubble, I'm definitely aging myself here. Dot-com bubble took out some of our clients, which took us out. And I spent the next um, six, six years, seven years building websites for, um, usually for B2B SaaS-style companies. Um, and I uh, really enjoyed the building. But I mean... I don't know. You don't know what you do with computer scientist, salesperson, marketing person, entrepreneur, and there's a very interesting business school here in Austin called the Wizard Academy. Mm. And you may know Jeffrey and Brian Eisenberg. You know those names? Brian Eisenberg. Um, he's one of the old school CRO oh, guys, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Like his name rings a bell. Um, anyways, he yeah. and his brother um, Brian and Jeffrey Eisenberg did the Wizards of the Web presentation they were the there was the first time i saw data used to make design decisions and i was like i have found my people wow uh, unfortunately i so you know i hung out a shingle i put on my lab coat and um spent the next four years just blogging the the heck out of the topic mm. and you know the 100 people that were paying attention were you know got got a lot of content over that time but eventually, um, the tools matured. Um, I was doing consulting, and then you know I was building personas and that, that sort of thing. Um, and then the testing tools came around. Um, Google Analytics matured, which was a, a fantastic what year uh, is this platform? So that would have been so Google Analytics started in two thousand and five. Mm. I built my I built my my first analytics platform from scratch in two thousand and three wow that's crazy um and then uh so i was i was doing analytics and and some consulting and then the testing tools came around and um you know that was they did two things number one it gave us the best data we could get on our ideas 
and it also gamified things. So, mm. um, you know, our clients love to go and see how their horses, their horses doing, you know, this is our new great design. We're going to put it yep. up against the control. And yep. every week you're like, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> so it, kind of, it really did gamify things. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, you know, the user, the user testing panel and the tools around those, uh, grew the heat mapping tools got really good. And so now we've got this suite of tools that we can bring to bear on almost any design decision. And, um, it's making for a fun time. And uh, it was in 2021 that people kept, people stopped asking me what conversion was and just said, I know I need it. So it only took me, how many years is that? It only took me 15 years, 15 years to, to get the word out. So, I mean, (laughs) it's come a long way. I mean, back in 2007, CRO conversion optimized design like I mean it must like we're talking about like an industry that was very nascent back then the average client you had like you know must compared to now must have taken some convincing to sort of say hey we need a a data-backed way to redesign your site or design redesign a landing page or or whatnot um can you tell me a bit more about the struggles there yeah because people weren't really coming to us saying we need data data driven design yeah they were coming and saying we want um i'm getting all this traffic and i'm not getting i'm not getting any conversions yeah the pandemic was huge for that because everybody went online i think the online retail market went from around 10 percent to 23 percent of all retail overnight it's come back Mm. down somewhat since then but then everybody's like, I'm getting all this traffic and and I'm not getting any more sales. So mm. I think that was a that was a, a big wake up call. But mostly people come to us saying, we want to make more money from our website. Can you help us do that? But they work with us for years because they're learning how to use data to make decisions in their business. Uh, we take great care of our customers. This is not an advertisement for my agency, but no, no. stick around because they feel like someone's got their back. So someone's watching the data. Somebody is <laughs> is making sure that, um, you know, they're not stepping on their own toes and things like that as they, uh, you know, they work on their traffic side and they work on their um, uh, their website side. So. Mm. It's, just, it's definitely come a long way and there's, there's more sort of um, uh, sort of market understanding of, Hey, there's of what conversion up rate optimization is, and without having to sort of, you know, beg people to <laughs> or go for a long spiel about what it is, and then you know have have, have that sort of same resistance you had maybe fifteen years yeah, ago. Yeah, most most large organizations have someone in the role. Yeah, most. I don't know if I don't know if the answer is most. We're seeing more and more people that have someone in the role, which which is actually quite helpful. Yeah, but even those organizations that maybe have a very mature um, conversion optimization practice, mm. they're still doing redesigns by handing off to a creative agency and say, "Will you redesign this for us and tell us when you're done, and then we'll launch it." And and the, that drives me a little crazy because yeah. they know the value of data, but they think of of CRO as well. Let's let's test little things. Let's um, test components. Let's just test the buttons and the headlines and yeah, or yeah. just discover. So they're learning things about their audience, and that may be that may be enough. But then to not have some like to have a small team making thousands of assumptions and decisions, and then pushing that out and hoping it works. Because we get those calls when someone's like, "Well, we did a redesign. It's so much better, but conversions dropped forty percent." 
Mm. And I mean, we know how to fix it immediately. We just go back to the old site. But most people... Is it very common for them to, you know, your experience for a web design agency to not do conversion focused design? Yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any data on it, but my hunch is just from being in the industry so long that, you know, something on the order of 90% of most website redesigns are still done um, uh, with the, where conversion isn't the, the primary thing. And, you know, if you're rebranding, there are other issues. I'm not saying that it should always be all conversion. Yeah. Um, but people, not only are they not using a conversion-centered approach where we're trying to get people to the answers to their questions and give them the information they need to decide if they're going to buy a product or service, mm -hmm. um, they are, uh, they're moving all of the risk to one point in time. So rather than reduce the risk during the design process, they push it all out and they say, we'll fix it. You know, once the airplane's in the air, we'll we'll figure out what's wrong with the engines and the wings and stuff like that. So um, I think I still think it's the majority of and it's people trust the experts. So you hire a, 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 a creative agency. They have talented people. They've yeah. done it for other people. Many of them haven't been measured on it. They they push it out. And, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to villainize the the agencies because we've mm. trained them to test to design for their clients, not for their clients' clients. But that's what we all really want as you know, as business owners, we want someone to, to design for our end clients. Unfortunately, I have an opinion, and I'm going to make an opinion, and I'm the guy writing the check. So the agency is like, just give him what he wants, right? <laughs> I'm the do I'm the hippo. Do what I do what I say. I got the I've got the money, so I guess they're just a hired hand. And <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, not 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 every every agency is like that, but yeah, I, I think it can be quite. It is it, 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 it is common. This is Romo Santiago from Experiment Nation. Every week, we share interviews with and conference sessions by our favorite conversion rate optimizers from around the world. So if you like this video, smash that like button and consider subscribing. It helps us a bunch. Now back to the episode. Um, I mean, this segues into like you know the whole topic of you know website redesigns, landing page redesigns. What's your approach from a conversion optimization perspective? Because I've been involved. Um, you know, I'm doing I'm, I'm client side, but we work with an agency. Um, mm -hmm. and there are, there are some pages that we've worked on that have been, haven't been updated in a long time. And, um, it would just take a long time to AB test separate components and then just learn and learn, you know, learn from them and then make the changes. Um, we've done some macro changes on, on landing pages and where we're updating several components and, um, you do see the kind of high overall uplift in terms of in terms of the primary metric but um yeah. mm -hmm. the advantage does advantage with that is that we don't know what specific components contributed more overall to the uplift and what sort of combination of components work well together yeah i think the, the you know the first thing is there's a number of ways to so instead of thinking of a b testing we mm. love a b testing because it's fantastic data right? yeah but so it's, it's perfect for those big questions that we don't have enough data from other sources yeah um but experimenting is different. Experimenting is figuring out where you can get the data. So uh, one of the basic things we don't do is when we do do a, a like a landing page redesign, I say we don't do. One of the things we do do, 
I'm going to stop throwing stones at the industry. One of the things we <laughs> do when we design a landing page is we say, okay, we're going to push this out. Um, and like, maybe we don't have enough traffic on that landing page to do a, an A-B test in a reasonable amount of time, but we're still going to do a before and after analysis, which follows the rules of a good A-B test design. You want to make sure that you have a similar sample size. You want to make sure it's over the same number of weekdays and week uh, weekends in there. You're going to want to make sure that there weren't any coincident changes in traffic yep. over that time and limit the, the traffic that you're preparing to, to that that's going to remain relatively stable. Um, and um, people just don't even bother to do that one step of, of doing a formal comparison of conversion rate. They launch it in a week, they go and say, I guess we're getting about the same number of conversions and, and they never learn anything from it. If you put a little bit of discipline in there, you can actually say this really worked or this really didn't work or it's a push. Yeah. And I mean, if it's if it's a push, why design your other landing pages if, if that design didn't didn't move the needle? So that's the first thing. Mm. Uh, the second thing is if you're going to make a if you're going to make a big change. So we do website redesigns. Um, yes. Conversion optimization is redesigning, but you, we do it purposefully so that we learn something about the changes we're making and about our, our customers along the way. But we'll do a, a full website redesign. If someone's replatforming, rebranding, um, uh, we can do that in that, you know, that typical six month, four, six month timeframe for a, a medium sized website. Yeah. Um, but we can use the exact same tools. And Here's the thing is we, we, we can guarantee and anybody who uses these techniques can guarantee that the new website is going to outperform the old one. So rather than have a smart team make all these choices and push it out and hope, we're doing tests. So user tests for our, our biggest ideas. Uh, for instance, in a lot of our redesigns, we're getting rid of, rid of the stack of fields forms. You know, most forms are stack of fields for yep. lead generation, a stack of fields for uh, e-commerce. We're taking those into a, what we call a quiz style, a step-by-step -step style, and it's blowing things away. Wow. But it doesn't always win. And sometimes it really hurts because like in e-commerce, people expect the checkout process to be a certain way. So if you give them something different, they're having to learn a new interface. And so you, you really have to test that. But we can take those and put them in front of user panels to get an idea of if it's if it's very clear what they're supposed to do and, and why we're asking certain things or take it to an, an a b test you know a big change like that we want to test that individually so where can we find the best sample of users as experimenters we have two jobs increase the sample size of the number of brains involved in the design decision and increase the quality of that What's well, on your existing site? You've got people coming trying to solve the problem that you solve. Yeah. So why not test on your existing website, even if you're just testing one component of the redesign, uh, especially a big change like that. Mm. So we we call it we call it forward testing, where we're testing on that audience, that fantastic audience, um, and what we learn, we then take to the new design. Here's the rub, though: if that does increase the conversion rate. We uh, we leave it. We leave it on the old site. So you're already making more money. Hang on, just to clarify, you're not you're not A B testing here. You're just making the change. No, we would, we would we would A B test. Yes, we would we would A B test something like that. The, the the quiz, yeah. 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 So we take a com 
the biggest components of the design we're designing. Yes. And we're A-B testing them on the old site, the existing site, because that's the best audience we can find. Mm. Mm. And if we get a winner, we leave it on the old site so that they get a higher conversion rate while we're still designing the new site. How, how awesome is that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So you're designing a new st site on a staging platform and then you're... I'm, no, I'm we're guessing... testing on the existing platform, but we're using the testing tool to do these, to implement these designs. So the testing tool... Yeah, yeah, is where we're making the changes, and so we'll just leave that testing tool running on 100% of the traffic. It becomes a personalization uh, at that point. Yeah, uh, so that everybody sees the winning combination and your conversion rates go up. Yep, yeah, I'm getting what you're saying there. But and it sounds like you don't always do A/B testing, but you make a change just on on the actual site, and then you'll test say. You'll you, you look at the metrics before and after, say, maybe three months before, three months after. So three months before, yes. you get the baseline metrics. Three months after moving the, uh, after making the change on live site without A-B testing, you'll look at the metrics and compare that to the baseline. Is that is that correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. What circumstances would you do that as opposed to A-B testing? I'm, I'm guessing traffic is a huge influence there. Yeah. So if there aren't enough conversions on a landing page to um, – uh, to really do an A-B test in a reasonable amount of time before and mm. after. We always do a before and after analysis after we've launched something that, that we weren't able to test. Sometimes we have a lot of evidence that just making this change is the way to go about it. Or we've tested it on enough other customer sites that we're just going to recommend that change and save our A-B testing traffic for a bigger idea. Mm. But we always want to go back and look and see if if we were right. So we expect you know a lift or at least... And, and equal uh, equal performance. Uh, so yeah, uh, but you know, on a landing page, for instance, if we we have a, a number of images that we want to use in the hero area to draw attention, to communicate value proposition, number of headlines, and um, maybe the the paragraph that goes right below the hero area. We can use user testing where we take mock-ups of the different combinations, yep. bring a panel of 25 or 50 people in and, and look at those and ask them questions that they can answer without knowing what the, much about the product. Like, is, does this company seem credible? What does this company do? What would you click on if you wanted to take action? Do you remember any of the details that appeared on the image? And we typically use a, a five-second test for that. Five-second um, test, yep. Yes, which we love. They see it for five seconds and then they answer questions about it. But you can use a question test where they get to spend time with it. Just, it's a great way to narrow your designs down. And what we end up finding is there are two or three of those variations that did really well on the user mm. tests. And those become candidates for an A-B test. So we didn't have to test through. We'd have to do a multivariate test. We, we used a user panel to narrow our choices down. Okay, that's an interesting, interesting approach. Um I mean, just go just go back to um, what you said about you know you can make the changes and then without A/B testing and then, and then sort of uh, compare baseline to um, the the new changes over you know same period of time. Uh, what kind of because um, I'm just comparing that to A/B testing where you're running the control invariance in parallel. Um, mm -hmm. Just sort of thinking the pros and cons of both. Well, pro pros of A/B testing, you could say, well, this is the gold standard, you know. Assume we've got enough traffic and we can reach statistical significance. Um, cons, maybe it takes 
a ton of traffic to you know to 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 really get those results coming through statistically speaking um many pros of the other approaches if you don't have the traffic you can implement the change easier but then maybe the con is well you're technically kind of um making the change uh and comparing to baseline at a and you're comparing between it's it could be you're, you're comparing from this point onwards in the future compared to like to the part the past which was yeah. the baseline and there could be the past, there, yeah. could, there could have been extenuating circumstances um after the changes do you know what i mean like there could have been uh some paid ad campaign that happened um in the three months after making the change compared to before uh i don't know the economy was maybe but, but starting to get a bit worse uh, other sort of extenuating variables that didn't happen um compared to baseline like how, how do you how do you take those things into account because i'm just sort of playing devil's, yeah, devil's so advocate, you're, advocate here when you're, when you're doing pre-post testing like that you're yeah. essentially using an analytics your analytics database as your testing tool so yeah what we'll do is is we like to take that period of time right after we push out a, a, a new um new landing page or a new design um uh as much of that time as we can and then we'll compare it ideally to the time right before that make sure so we can't control for what a competitor does changes in the market but we can control for anything else that we see in analytics so we'll make sure that they both cover the same number of days the same kind of days then we'll go and look at the traffic so you could look like at a channel report in google analytics yeah see if there's been any change in the the mix or the performance of um you know paid search traffic or if there's been a, a spike in email traffic because somebody sent a compelling email at the same time and you eliminate those where there have been changes so you can like branded search uh, ads typically have a very steady um traffic flow same kind of people right yeah so maybe you only include those your organic traffic and your direct traffic in your analysis so that if you've got if you've got um paid search campaigns that aren't branded that are you know more volatile it's not going to affect things so you, d- you decide what what segments of traffic you're going to look at and then you take the results and you plug them into an a b test calculator like i love the one at cxl mm. um online dialogue has a, a great a b test calculator and you plug in how many visits how many conversions and you figure out if there's a statistical difference there are you are you big on um 95 percent stats rule uh as a yeah. stopping rule we actually are pretty strict about that so we will do a bayesian calculation um uh, it really depends on the personality of the client. Some clients are like, no, we want to make business decisions on this. Uh, all I need is a, enough data to be directional. Let's move on and get our testing velocity up. Uh, and others are more like, no, we, d- we don't want to make any mistakes. So let's, let's do 95. If we're at 90, then we will still call it inconclusive. So it really depends on the personality of the, of the client, to tell you the truth. You got to be careful not to let the do- the tail wag the dog, though. They can't come in and say eighty percent. That's good enough for us. Like we're gonna be like, nope. Yeah, yeah. Five days. That's plenty of time. No, it's not plenty of time. So we we do have to draw a line somewhere. And do do, do you find? I mean, just going back to 
industry maturing do you find that it's a lot easier to to sort of convince clients um that hey we can mitigate the the risk of um a full yeah just doing a full-on redesign without data by doing this approach like uh no actually it's not it's not it's not an easy sell it's different yeah uh sometimes it seems sounds a little bit too good to be true so you're going to guarantee the new site's going to outperform and we're going to start increasing our conversion rate before we've even launched the new design like Mm. really um you know part of it might be that from a branding standpoint we're you know testers we're conversion optimizers so um uh, but yeah, it's hard. To, it's it, it's difficult to compete against the uh, creative agency that has all the pretty pictures. And we're very visual animals. And, you know, when you've got this portfolio of gorgeous websites, which we have as well, by the way. But yeah, that's what people that's that's the way they sell. And we have to sell kind of against against the current. So it's it's tough. Yeah, it's sort of like you're trying to sell the rational scientific approach versus i don't know the the the, the cool and like the cool intuitive this web you know web design is just a creative thing kind of approach right like yeah it's sort of... and it's it was this way with conversion optimization you couldn't talk someone into it they already had to come with a specific problem like our acquisition cost is too high our ad costs are going too high um our conversion rate seems too low. If they're coming in because there's a new VP of marketing and, and he wants to change the website, he or she wants to change the website because it's a great way of, you know, getting something done in the early days and demonstrating their value, then they're, you know, they're just going to do that. But if you've got an organization that is growth oriented and understands the risk of doing a redesign, they're going to come saying, we need you guys to make sure that this is not a disaster. And, and I think as a side topic to this, um, you know, like you, you're dealing with um, all kinds of different organizations, some uh, big, big, and um, some of a lot of kind of you can kind of sense there might be internal politics there in terms of the redesign and and so forth. Um, is that is that something that you have to kind of account for a lot as a as a you know CRO agency expert? Yeah, politics are inevitable, especially especially in the larger organizations. Um, you know, that's, that's why service providers charge so much more for enterprise companies. They they take a lot more work, um, mm. a lot more uh, finesse on the part of the, um, of the conversion scientist, um, which is what we call the person that's, that's doing the, the, the test, managing all of the, the experiments. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. It's, um, we are, um, uh, for the most part, our customers are in the mid market, you know, 50 million to half, half a billion dollars in, in revenue. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think because of, because the, the, the slow pace, we can't get our velocities up in a larger organization. And we end up doing a lot of, this is, this is the best idea. Uh, yeah, but somebody doesn't like it. So let's move on to something else sort of things. And, mm. It doesn't. It doesn't suit us. We love results, and uh, <laughs> we have. Yeah, I, I, we have only a few enterprise clients. Yeah, you might say that we like we like working with the people that are taking market share from the the big guys. Mm. <laughs> um, 
interesting. Uh, just and in, in, look, just a segue um, into um, Google, Google Analytics. Uh, of course, we all know that GA three or uh, GA Universal is sun sunsetting. I think mm-hmm. end of July this year. Um, I'm I myself am learning about GA four. It's a huge mindset. Uh, change and huge differences uh, between J3 and Sense, I guess. You know, but it's one of those move, moves forward that we need to have. Um, mm-hmm. Any anything in particular you want to uh, comment in there in regards to that transition or uh, that you think our audiences will need to um, know? Yeah. yeah, so we've really been able to use Google Analytics, especially for some of our smaller clients, but I mean... Mm almost all of our clients on Google Analytics, it's not a perfect solution. Um, so they've, they use sampling to, you know, um, kind of mitigate the, the, the data cost for it, but it's over. And so companies that are benefiting from uh, having this rich customer database, this behavioral database uh, are going to have to pay for it. So you can, you can, uh, the uh, GA4 is, is is not uh, governed by sampling, but they do have limits to the amount of data you can pull out for any given, given hour, any given day. So someone who is all in the data like us pretty quickly hits those limits. So the answer is gonna be to bump up to Google Analytics 360 or to choose one of the other um, analytics packages that are out there that, and they're, you know, in this, Thirty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year range. I think wow. Google Analytics three sixty is around fifty thousand. We're just going to have to invest that. Um, for our clients who aren't really using Google Analytics as a source, like they're not making business decisions from Google Analytics, they yep. have other other sources. Um, we are able to use Google Analytics and. Um, and a data warehouse, BigQuery. So Google BigQuery, yep. BigQuery because they charge for the amount of data you take out, but at least it's not it's not governed. So we've got we're able to use that and um, uh, and get that get that data for our our testing and our analysis that is significantly less than fifty thousand a year. But there's there's an additional cost. That's a good. That's a good comment. Is there any th- sort of thing that you've noticed with GA four that's probably, you know, because um, it's still like a work in progress in some sense. You know, like you know, in terms of like the re- reports that could be there or that are missing now, or uh, you just or just configured a different way. Um, um, yeah, it, it it makes so. There's a, f- a few things that you want if you're going to be testing and testing and testing, and that is mm. be able to develop the reports. So Google Analytics. Universal Analytics had some really nice out-of-the-box reports that you could you could do some pretty easy analysis on saved segments. Um, yeah. So your test control, your test variations, saved as segments, and then used over and over again in different analysis. You lose that capability. Segments aren't easy to save. Reports are um, can be saved in the library, um, but you're really building them um in a much more like you're you're building them over and over and over again there aren't a lot of um valuable uh reports that if you want to get below the dashboard level that you can use uh so it it is a challenge 
we've always used Google Sheets. So we use the API, even in Universal Analytics, to pull data into Google Sheets, and then we manipulate it there. So if you want to go oh, in, if you finish a test and you want to see like, well, this test was inconclusive, it was on mobile, let's see if there was a difference between iOS and Android users. And we, we're seeing a lot of this now. Mm. Um, that's pretty difficult to do in GA4. There's, there's not an easy report that you can go to and you just turn on some segments and boom, there you go. Yeah. So those sorts of things where we're really relying on, thank goodness for Google Sheets, because it's we had to write our own API um, add-on for um, for Google Sheets to match the one that we had in Universal Analytics, but it's been a godsend. So that's where we're doing our most of our analysis and that post-test analysis where you're looking at individual segments making sure that your you know your sample size is equivalent and, and deciding if you've learned something from the test even if it was perhaps inconclusive mm. so y y would you say it's like um it's it's okay out of the box right now but there's still work to be done and as, as, yeah, as the product develops and i'm hopeful that they're going to come out with more uh, uh reports that are that are canned like that the good thing about this reporting interface is it's a lot harder to mix the wrong source of data. So it's harder to mix hit data in with session data where you're, yeah. you're doing an analysis of, of one in the same, and you end up getting, it's not reliable. It was a lot easier to make those mistakes in universal analytics. So uh, it's providing some of that. And I, Google's going to, I mean, it's a product that they're producing. I don't, I don't think they're just, Throwing something out there and then saying goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, yeah, yeah. Hey, it will get better, but um, it's going to make it's going to increase the maturity of all of us from a data standpoint. We're going to be using data warehouses to store that that data and retrieve it, and we're going to become more skilled at at generating reports that are um, that are sound from a data standpoint. Mm. Mm, interesting. Uh, it, it's 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 going to be an ongoing thing, and I'm sure like. Um, you know, my, myself and other people who have been kind of, to be honest, like just mostly using <laughs> uh, Universal, um, just because it's you know change is hard. Um, yeah, it's gonna be yeah a massive change uh, come July where everyone's panicking, and I'm sure you'll probably get a lot of um, <laughs> clients coming in we're saying, "Hey, yeah, we're hey, we they set us up for G GA four, and then you maybe you know train us our staff up in this and all this kind of stuff." So. I'm sure a lot of uh, agencies like yourself will be busy. Um, yeah, come come that period. Yeah, um, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are. So you have one out, and that is to buy the U the Universal Analytics 360, which is going to last for another year. Oh, okay. But that I think is a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So there's going to be people that are going to have no choice but to shell out some serious dollars. Yeah, that's <laughs> well. Thanks a lot for being on the show here brian do you have any concluding remarks uh, you know for i think probably your audience is already well into the into the data but from a design standpoint and i, I think this is we all need to be pushing this change um we need to give our our, our agencies the permission to use data in the design process and it's yep. not just all about so i would say there's one thing you can do when an agency comes to you and says hey here are three mock-ups which yep. one of these do you want us to design with ask them to provide you with some data to help you make your decision and see what they mm. do. 
they'll look at you like you have two heads initially, but um, the tools are out there. And all I have to do is go to conversionscience.com and we'll show you exactly how to do it. So There you go. So, um, well, you already sort of beat me to the punch. I was going to ask how people can reach you. Um, conversionscience.com. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we blog about all everything that we're learning, and um, we're going to have a lot of resources coming up on uh, Google Analytics for Shift, and for especially for AV testers. So, yeah, cool. And um, how so they can reach you on there and um, LinkedIn? Are you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn by uh, B Massey, B M A S S E Y. You'll find me on Twitter there as well. Um, but I'm most active on on LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Um, thanks for being on the show and um, see you next time. I hope so. Thanks for having me.